0: your cultural competence listen to interesting stories learn about the cultural pitfalls and how to avoid them get the global perspective here at culture matters podcast on international business we help you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences, helping you develop your cultural competence.
1: Good morning, good evening, good afternoon even as well. Welcome to the Culture Matters podcast where we talk about cultural differences and we interview real people with real experiences. We are on currently on episode number 17 and we have Greeley Cook uh, as a guest. Greeley Cook is the Executive Director of... Of the Association of Corporate Travel Executives and a world-class business traveler. A 25-year veteran of the travel industry, he's an advocate of passenger safety, comfort and security while boosting traveler productivity. Cook is also an authority on business travel, investment and innovation.
0: It's time for this week's guest at the Culture Matters podcast. Here's your host, Chris Smith.
1: Good morning, Greeley. How are you?
2: I'm wonderful, Chris. Thank you. Good morning to you as well. I uh, should say good afternoon. Actually. It's actually good afternoon, yeah. yeah Recording it's a afternoon. time here, there
1: it's a, it's 3 p.m. I don't know exactly where are you currently?
2: Um, I'm in Chicago this morning.
1: Okay, this morning in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> and just before hitting record, um, I, I said to you, I mean, working for ACT, and we'll talk more about ACT in a moment, sure. is, um, is probably uh, doesn't keep you in one place longer than a week, I guess.
2: No, it really doesn't. And I think that's why you know I I have to be honest I'm very fortunate to have this job because in the you know be two years uh, this December that I've had this role and I've been on six continents met with countless uh, members you know around the world Mm -hmm. and um, you know a couple weeks ago I was in Dubai and next week I'll be in Copenhagen and still places the rest of the year so it's it's wonderful and it does keep me on the road.
1: Okay, excellent. It keeps you on the road, definitely, and in the yes. air as well. No, no fear yes. of flying? No, none. I, none. Don't, I don't think that would help in, uh, in, a, in a situation <laughs> like that. No,
2: it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't make my job uh, any easier. Probably wouldn't even have the job. I can imagine.
1: Greeley, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself, uh, who you are as a person, where you come from? Um, well, we know that you're in the Chicago area, uh, sure. and if you have a cultural frame of reference
2: yeah that's that's interesting, because my frame of reference was I actually grew up in a small town outside of uh, Chicago, about three hours away, about thirty thousand people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know I, I guess my frame of reference when I was growing up, you know, was that was that town. Yeah. um, but I was fortunate enough that um, my parents, my father, especially in his job, uh, was able to travel and he took us kids along and so that's kind of when i started to to get the travel bug Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but my frame of reference really came from this small town in in the middle of illinois
1: okay And, and where did you get to travel to as a as a young kid then well, we traveled
2: primarily in the in the states, mm-hmm. um, but it was to places like Alaska and Hawaii, right. and California and Florida, um, and the, the, the Caribbean, of course, outside the United States. Yeah. But it, it was, you know, primarily in this in this North American area. Yeah. Uh, but whenever we went to a, a city, um, you know, when my father was doing business, he made sure that we were out looking around. Yeah and touring and seeing what was
1: going on in that city. Yeah, that's important. Getting exposed at an early age sort of makes you more, I guess, makes you more sensitive, at least from my own experience as well.
2: Yeah, and it does, and it, and you know the the type of business my father was in, we always were in, in restaurants and and different things, and so you you had an appreciation of, of the service aspect, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you know, whether we were in a restaurant in a hotel, um, you know, we we came to recognize, you know, the, the service that was being provided to us as guests, mm-hmm. um, and you know how that how that was important to our our experience, and you know, so as, as a child, uh, you know, I can remember you know just looking at those folks and and seeing how they did their jobs but i can also remember you know, running through the airport and collecting all the airline travel schedules because in those days, they printed them, they I posted know. them, and they put them on the counter, and my sister and I would run through the airport and collect all these, these schedules so that when Dad said, we're going here, we
1: knew how to get there. Exactly. I, I've done the same thing as well. It's funny. That's a long time ago. I never thought of that anymore. Yeah, these right. little booklets, kind of cute. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, you had your first international experience. I have no idea where that was. Uh, the, can, you, can you tell us something about that?
2: Yeah, well, I think that, let me classify, because as I mentioned, we had been to the the Caribbean. But let me talk about kind of from a business aspect. The the first time I took an international trip on business, I can remember like it was yesterday. Hmm. Um, It was, um, I was working in San Francisco at the time for a financial institution, and I was going to London. So I was in my early 30s um, and I just got my passport and you know everything was was wonderful and I can remember getting on that plane in San Francisco Um, of course it was a night flight into London and I couldn't sleep I was looking out the window I was like okay you know what happens here you know we're over the Atlantic okay what's going on and uh, I can remember you know coming into London
1: and that that was my first official business trip and uh, any culture shock there coming to London and seeing anything really different like, wow, that's weird,
2: yeah, yeah well, well, the fact they drive on the other side of the road okay you know, that's a, <laughs> it's, it's the wrong side of the road, really It's the wrong side of the road, right yeah. but I can
1: remember Chris flying
2: in mm-hmm. we we took the approach over you know downtown so I could I was, and I was on the side that I could see Tower Bridge, I could see Buckingham Palace. Mm-hmm. And I can remember just looking out the window going, Oh my gosh, I'm here. You know, yeah. I'm here. The the places you see in pictures, um, you know, that you've read about and seen in movies, it's like I'm actually here. Yeah, and you're living uh, it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm living it. And I was very excited about that. And you know, I, I learned right away that even though we speak I'll say the same language, of course, there there is a difference. Yeah. And um but but we are separated, you know, in, in how we approach things. And I think the you know, it it's maybe a little bit of a goofy story, but I can remember when I went out to dinner. Yeah um well when I was by myself because I hadn't started the business, I hadn't met my colleagues yet, mm-hmm. and I went into a restaurant and um on the menu I saw shrimps and butter. Okay. And <laughs> When I ordered it, I'm thinking, oh, shrimps and butter. I love shrimp. I love butter. Put yeah. them together, right? You know, yeah. you, you can't go wrong. Exactly. And then it came, and I looked at this going, this can't be right. <laughs> and then it dawned on me that we have a different definition of shrimp. Right. <laughs> and, and so, it, it dawned on me, too, that it's something as silly as that, where, yeah. you know, in in the States, shrimp can mean really large prawns, yeah. uh, and in the UK, they were these little teeny things that look like you, know, you would see in a laboratory somewhere.
1: <laughs> Come on, usually yeah. they're Dutch. They're Dutch, really. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but so th- anyway. What, was but,
1: it, but, it nice? Did it taste good?
2: Yeah, it did taste good. Okay. But that, that was just yeah. an early reminder of, okay, things are different right and to soak it all up and, and appreciate it so that was just kind of my my first cultural i don't want to call it a shock but just a you know a, a new way of thinking okay this is going to be a little bit different
1: here yeah it's maybe not a culture shock but a culture stuck at least because it's stuck with you for <laughs> uh, for years at least and then um as time progressed you moved on to act now um tell us a little bit more if you can what act is and what act does
2: Sure, Association of Corporate Travel Executives is our our official title. Mm -hmm. And we've been around for 26 years. And really what we do is, when employees travel on business for their company, There is somebody within that company that is usually putting the programs together for them to utilize, whether it's the travel agency that they're using, the airlines, the preferred hotels, the car companies, the technology that they're using. There's somebody within the company that is planning all that, putting the policies together, putting the programs together so that when those employees go out on the road, they have a successful trip. So what we do is our members are made up of those people within the company that are planning this corporate travel.
1: Right. The travel executives. Yes,
2: exactly. And... Then, on so that's on the buying side. Then we also have as our members the supply side. So the airlines, the hotels, the technology companies, the traveler tracking tools, the expense reporting tools, you know, all the infrastructure that's needed to support those travelers. Um, then those are our members as well. And so, what we do is we bring those groups together for education, for talking about the future, new methodologies, new technologies, new ways of doing business. Mm-hmm. So that again, the, the companies can spend their money wisely, and the employees on the road have a very productive experience. Mm-hmm. So we'll do that by hosting some sixty events around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, in six continents, uh, and we'll have you know thousands of people come and learn about
1: corporate travel. And so that's that's what we do. Okay, but isn't that? I mean, that only this is not the cultural side per se. Maybe it is, but then if you get like um, the the suppliers, which are the airlines and the hotels, and the buyers, which are the uh, what is it, the American Express of this uh, of this world, or or the the shell, if you want. Yep, exactly. If you yep. uh, if you get all these people together, don't they start talking to each other? And uh, isn't that like dangerous for competition?
2: Um, <laughs> competition. You mean as far as you know, people thinking, okay, well, I'm with this one company now. I should go. Another well company. it's a,
1: it's it's sort of opens up the window to uh if you want window shopping. I've worked for an airline yeah. for 12 years in uh, in a previous life and uh we were relatively hush hush to each other. I mean you would know each other. Right. Um but relatively hush hush and all the, uh, the cuz I worked mainly international, all mm-hmm. the uh, the sales executives, they were kind of quiet um you know when they were talking to their colleagues from other airlines.
2: Yeah, we find that that um, actually, there's a lot of networking and and whatnot that does take place. Of course, you know there's antitrust and whatnot that, mm-hmm. that prohibit people from from talking about certain things. But no, we don't find that it's 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 competitive. If anything, it's more of a collegial type environment where okay. where people are there to learn yep. and people are there to share information. And, you know, so we'll have, you know, one airline next to another airline, we have an exhibit area. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're, they're touting about why they think they're the best and why (laughs) they, they think that, um, you know, somebody should fly them. So it's, it's, it's not, I don't want to say it's not competitive, because everybody's always after, after business, but it's done in an environment that just encourages, you know, the exchanging of, of ideas
1: okay what, what is the uh, because when I think about acts uh, I think about travel agents In a, in, in and that's that's a, an, an unkind thing to say which everybody keeps saying they're a dying breed are you in the, on the same side of that or or not are you or did you have to actually reinvent yourself
2: well I think that you know, t- travel management companies really is 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 the n- the name that uh, you know that the travel agencies use when they're dealing with corporate programs the TMZs, because it's really, yes. Yeah, because it's really it's not only just about the booking of a trip, but it's also about the management of that trip. So what we'll see is that the travel management companies, the TMCs, that uh, that come into act, mm-hmm. they, um, <clears throat> pardon me, they they want to talk about. How you can strategically manage travel mm-hmm. beyond just the transaction? Um, how you take your data, how you leverage that data in your discussions with the suppliers so that you can get the best programs? Mm-hmm. How you identify, you know, trends? How you identify, um, you know, where people are going? Uh, maybe more efficient ways to travel? And then, of course, there's also the the duty of care and the mm-hmm. tracking of the travelers. You know, given you know what goes on in the world today. I Safety here, yeah, um, yeah. Safety—that it's important to to keep track of those travelers. So, I think that uh, you know that the travel management companies are beyond just the transaction. Mm-hmm. That's a part of it, but mm-hmm. there's so much else involved with moving um, you know business travelers around the world.
1: Okay, can can you indicate a couple of of cultural challenges that Act uh, is, uh, or maybe the travel industry as a, as a whole is facing right now?
2: Yeah, I think that. Um, you know a couple of challenges are that you know and we kind of have a unique purview because we do events around the world, and as I mentioned I've been able to to go to these events and and I've seen the different ways that that people interact uh-huh. um first and foremost and how business is sold yeah. um around the world. But I also think we're seeing a, a a migration. There, there are more options available now for travel than there were in the past. So, for instance, um, you know, North America and Europe, um, you know, were the the centers of, of aviation and, mm-hmm. and connections around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you now see the the, the Middle East, um, you know, the the Gulf states. Um, now having a, a presence um, with the airlines that uh, that that are now there, Emirates um, and the Etihad, Etihad et, et, et and the et, Qatar, et, et, yeah. yeah, yep, exactly. And you know how they're they're changing that uh, that aviation landscape. So that's brought in you know a whole different culture as people you know now look to the Middle East as a as a connection point or as a destination point for. Um, Business, so it's it's completely changed. I think the the cultural dynamics as people look to different ways to get around the world now. Mm -hmm. Additional options.
1: Yeah, makes good sense. And and how does playing uh, playing attention or paying attention rather to cultural differences? How is that important to act as an organization uh, trying to get all these these buyers and the suppliers together?
2: Yeah, I think we found that we have to be responsive to that because how. How people learn, how adults learn, how people share information, how they network. I mean, Chris, it's different around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in some cases, you know, the, the learning is very um, schoolroom type, yep. where, you know, you have somebody stand up and you, you push information out. Mm-hmm. In other cases, we have it where it's very interactive because the people like to engage in discussion and, and debate and and dialogue Mm -hmm. in other cases we'll do receptions where people you know over a drink or whatever want to share business ideas so we as an organization we have to be responsive to those cultural differences around the world and how people want to learn and how people want to um, how they want to interact and so we'll vary our offerings um, according to that that
1: local uh, landscape and in, in what what way are you paying attention to typical, um, if you want cultural uh, education there, of yes. your of your clients, your audience, maybe yeah. even your own organization?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, we need we need to be sensitive to that because, you know, unfortunately, you know what we're seeing is that, as I mentioned, you know, part of our membership is made up of of the buyers, these people that sit within companies, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, a lot of them can't travel themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, they just don't have the budget, right? They're spend the companies are spending money on, on putting employees out there that are producing revenue.. Yep. And so a lot of our members can't travel. Um, so what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're interjecting how business is done around the world into a conference. So I'll give you an example. Um, you know, I you probably know Terry Morrison from Kiss Power Shake hands. Um, yes you know the 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 book that I think every traveler reads once they're they're starting <laughs> to go international. I know I did several years ago uh-huh. um you know we brought her into our conferences um to to speak about the cultural differences um we'll do sessions you know, we could have a conference in the United States Mm -hmm. and we'll do sessions there about doing business in Latin America, doing business in the Middle East. Um, We just actually had a a virtual conference um, last week where we had 250 people register from 29 countries around the world. And this virtual conference was spread out over three days. And the the sessions that we had there were about doing business in each region of the world. Mm -hmm. So, we put that together because, again, we know people can't travel. Whether they're in Europe, maybe they can't mm-hmm. get to the Middle East. Maybe they can't get to Asia. People in Asia can't get to Europe or the United States or North yeah. America. So we are bringing the the learnings to them yeah. about these cultural differences and how to do business um, in those areas because one size doesn't fit all. Yeah. And even though you might be based in Europe or North America – if you have a global operation, you know you're you are dealing with people in Latin America, and you need to know how business is done there. Otherwise, you won't be successful.
1: Exactly makes good sense. Is that something you do only for, say, the American market? In other words, do you fly people into the U.S. or are these things being organized locally in Amsterdam and Copenhagen as well? Yep. Yeah. No,
2: we'll we we'll do sixty events around the world. So, as I mentioned, a year, I was just in, yes, yeah. yeah a year, and so I was just in Dubai a couple of weeks ago where we had, uh, you know, a, a local forum. Um, I've been in Amsterdam earlier this year where have I? I've been in Hong Kong. Mm. Uh, uh, I've been in the United States in Boston and Chicago, uh, I've been in Brussels. So we'll do these events locally mm. and, and in those events, we'll either tackle, you know, the issues that are taking place within that area, yep. but then we'll also tackle the, the global issues as, as well. Um, because again, people want to learn. They want to learn what's going on in other parts of the world. And I think I actually think there's more of an appreciation for cultural differences, maybe not an understanding yet, Chris. Yeah. But an appreciation that they're out there. And again, if if you're going to be successful in business, you have to understand those and recognize those and figure out how to work with those. Because the the old way of you know the, the you know just going into a particular part of the world and just saying well you know I don't care about your cultures and, you know <laughs> just buy gonna, from me <laughs> yeah just buy you know buy from me or you're going to do it this way because yeah. you know you're from uh, the corporate headquarters it just it just doesn't work and and that's that's actually one of the lessons I learned early on when you know after my first trip to London then I was dealing with um, our Asia group and and you know, it was the old adage of, hey, I'm from the corporate headquarters. I'm here to help you. Mm-hmm. And when I went out to our Asia region and we were just not making any progress and, you know, I had a global program that I had to implement and they just were not implementing it. And I was frustrated. They were frustrated. You know, again, I was new to this this international business aspect. And I um, I finally said, look, you know what? We're, we're both frustrated with this. Why don't I just fly out to the region mm-hmm. and learn? Let me just listen. And once I took that approach, you know, our manager for the Asia region, he's like, okay, great. I'll set you up with the Tokyo office, with the Taiwan office, with the Hong Kong office, with the Singapore office, mm-hmm. with the Australia office. And I just took, you know, 10 days, flew throughout the region and just listened and learned. And once I did that, You know, I had a greater appreciation for what was going on, and I changed my approach to how we were doing business. And after a few months, they were one of our most successful regions. I was supporting them, they were supporting me, but it was only because I was able to go there and listen and learn
1: physically being present there.
2: Exactly. Being on the ground, eating, you know, seeing the different cultures, yeah. um, you know, the differences when it comes to eating, how you do business, when you speak, when you don't speak, um, what yes means, you know, <laughs> in, in, in different parts of the world. Yeah. And so I, I remember these types of things, and that's why I'm trying to bring them back into what we're doing with within ACT, yeah. because people don't have the luxury that I had to be able to travel around the world and see these, these things on the ground. And and that so makes, is, are you
1: making a, a, a statement here that people should, should um, travel more to be more face-to-face in touch with each other or maybe the other side a little bit less uh, rigorous? Would you solve these problems by being face-to-face and not over a Skype call or, or like these, these video call, conference calls and stuff? I think it's both. I think that,
2: you know, I, I get asked this all the time, you know, mm-hmm. should, should people travel? What about the alternatives? What about video conferencing? Mm-hmm. Airlines don't like them. Well actually you know when you speak to the airlines they they don't they don't i don't I don't think they view video conferencing as as competition because at the end of the day sometimes you still need to get on a plane and go meet um, so what I encourage people to do is I think it's both i think in some cases you need to establish that relationship face to face first, and then once you've done that then you can use the the alternatives, right? because you've built up that trust, you built up that respect, um, and sometimes that's hard to do initially over you know Skype or, or video conferencing yeah. um, because you can't you can't understand the nuances. So I, I encourage people to to go, um, and then once you've once you've been there, it's easy then to to use the alternatives. Easier. but I, you know I, I'll give you another example that yes, you know as as I mentioned. I was just in Dubai a couple of weeks ago and, you know, and I've been going to Dubai every year for the last, I don't know, four or five years. And, you know, just seeing the change that, that's taking place here. Massive, so, I, yeah. I, you know, I posted on Facebook, oh, you know, here I am in Dubai again. And I had a friend respond and say, oh, I hope you'll be safe there. <laughs> you know, their their laws are different than ours. And as a woman, I wouldn't feel comfortable, you know, Being there, Mm -hmm. and I thought about that, Chris. And I'm like, as as I'm reading this, I'm actually, you know, about ready to go into a meeting where you know, eighty percent of the people there were women. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, um, Everybody was doing business. Um, You know, for those people that've been to Dubai you know yes there's there's laws and cultures that you have to respect but that it's you know i i i never feel unsafe there
1: <laughs> it's not as scary as you, as, as, the, as your uh, your friend or, or you, yeah. you on facebook no
2: yeah and, and i was thinking about that and i'm like and i responded to her going you know what i i feel safer here than probably some places than other major cities around the world
1: yeah makes
2: good and but it just it just taught me again about culture and what, what people think and their, their preconceived notions, and that's why I think that carries over to business and people coming into business that have those preconceived notions, they won't be as successful as people that understand and, and grasp those, those cultural differences.
1: Yeah, and then on the other hand, of course, I absolutely agree with you. And on the other hand, you cannot blame people for ignorance. If people, you know, they, they consume the world uh, through, what is it, 60 seconds uh, yeah. of or CNN or BBC or NBC or whatever. And then if you if you have to make up your world view with that relatively short information and, and limited information, then, of course, you can't blame blame people for not knowing what they don't know, I guess. Right, right. Um it's um I have a question of of perception of my own is there is it true that airlines and hotels are actually paying relatively little attention to cultural differences hmm. is that I my, do I see this i I think I see this but i'm not I'm just curious what your opinion on this is
2: yeah that's an interesting observation i would I would actually say that I, I would disagree with that a little bit because mm-hmm. I think that the the, the progressive um, suppliers, whether the airline or whatnot, yeah. the hotels, I think they need to cater to the cultural differences. And, you know, again, I was just in Dubai and, you know, the hotel has a prayer room. No. Um, they have a menu that has Western dishes, um, Asian dishes, uh, you know, local dishes, um, Mediterranean dishes—you know, you name it. the, the, the cuisine that was available um, was, you know, every culture around the world. And when I looked around, you know, the the restaurant, you could see all these different cultures coming together. Yeah. Um, even on the airlines, you know. If you're flying to Asia, most people, you know, most airlines would have either, you know, a Western meal or, or an Asian meal available. Mm-hmm. So, I think that if if you're going to be successful today from a service standpoint, you need to recognize these cultural differences. And so, I, I guess I… I see it. I see it when I go to to Hong Kong and you you see the menus mm-hmm. and you you see the the information available in in the rooms mm-hmm. um i don't know i so I guess I do see the 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 suppliers out there the travel industry suppliers are responding to these cultural differences at least
1: on the surface in terms of of food habits and stuff or or what they they provide in service in in terms of food and stuff like that right yeah. right is there any um particular A culture that uh, you as an American, or you as an American in plural, uh, would have the most difficulty with working in your own experience? Oh. That doesn't say anything about that culture. I mean, this is. I don't know if I co- want
2: to say because I won't be allowed back into that country. Well, what I'm, what I'm, let me just
1: elaborate a little bit because it's, <laughs> it, this is not a question about good or bad because cultural difference is exactly what they are—the cultural differences—and uh, it's not good or bad. There's nothing good or bad in culture, and. Um, for instance, I, my experience is uh, that a lot of Westerns uh, or maybe it's Western Europeans, but Westerns find, uh, find it very difficult to work with Japanese. That's not because of the Japanese. That is because of the interaction between those two culture cultures. Is there anything that you could, I mean, either personally, you as, as, as Greeley Cook would uh, have experience as being a, a challenging uh, a culture to work with? <laughs> but the most fun culture.
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm laughing because yeah, there is. You know, again, it, it comes back to to understanding the culture. Yeah. So I actually, you know, the, the 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 first time I did go to Japan, um, you know, I I found it frustrating. Yeah. Um, and I think that's true of any new culture that you go to, and because. You know, again, you'll read the books, you'll you'll talk to colleagues and you'll say, Okay, you know, what should I expect when I go there? Mm-hmm. But until you actually physically are there and, and see it firsthand, you 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 don't get it. Um, so when I first went to Japan at the beginning, you know, in the formal meeting, I didn't get it. Right? I didn't know how things would happen, how we could ever make any any progress. Yeah. But then Afterwards, you know, when I was taken out to to lunch and to dinners by the colleagues, then I got it, right? And I and I I, I understood it more. So now I love going back to Japan because I get it. Yes, I I understand it. Um, there is, you know, some cultures out there that I still find I would say frustrating, but that I'm still learning about um, how they how they do business and and how how things get done and you know I'm still I'm still learning because mm-hmm. I'm still trying to, to figure some of those out um, but I try not to get frustrated by it because it's it's like okay I know it's a cultural thing and so I I, I try to continue to learn and to understand and to try different approaches yeah. and you know to try to modify my stance and mm-hmm. I, th- I think you know that's where some cultures can't do that they can't they can't recognize or appreciate these other cultures and um I think when you when you do that you know then again you're not going to be successful um if you just try to say look well this is this is my way of doing it this is my culture and I'm going to take this around the world I think that's disrespectful to other groups so
1: and it doesn't work it just plainly doesn't work yeah
2: it doesn't work so I I get frustrated sometimes when I go into a new place, but then I try to, to learn and, and and adapt and
1: and be successful. Yeah, nice. All right. Um, what is your personal joy, Greeley, with uh, and our challenge with working with different cultures?
2: I think my personal joy is that I just love it. I mean, I love, I <laughs> I love. Um, you know what I enjoy, Chris, is yeah. that. As you mentioned earlier, the the sound bites that you see on BBC or yeah. CNN, um, and how they particularly paint a an area around the world. Um, what I like is is kind of busting that myth mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and going into these different cultures and um, you know really learning about them and 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 understanding them. So I think you know what I, that's what I find fun about this job is, is being able to do that I was able to spend time in um, in Japan this year mm-hmm. um, outside of Tokyo it had always been one of my trips I wanted to go to Kyoto and really understand the Japanese culture so I was able over a weekend you know to take the bullet train down to Kyoto yeah. um, and immerse myself in that culture and it's given me you know a new appreciation for the the Japanese culture Um so, that's what I find fun about this and, and being able to, to you know, go do these things around
1: yeah. the world. To live and to learn like this.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. It's, it's better to see it in person than to, it's one thing to read about it, you know, in school or, you know, see it on the news and it's another thing to go experience it firsthand.
1: Absolutely. Just being there is, uh, makes a, makes a, an, an enormous difference for sure. Um, okay. if you could give maybe this is this is going to uh, 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 is going to be made, well, too direct, not probably not, but uh, think if you can uh, if you can uh, on your feet. can you give the audience like three tips on how to better their cultural competence? What would you do? What are the three tips that you could give the audience and us to uh, to be more culturally competent, to deal better with cultural differences?
2: Yeah, I think the first tip is y- you need to do your research before you go. Um, and talk to colleagues, go on the internet, read the books and first understand, you know, how businesses is, is done, um, in the area that you're going to, because you want to go in and not stub your toe, not do the wrong thing.
1: Right.
2: You know, whether you're shaking hands, whether you're crossing your legs, you know, it's, it can be some of these simple things that one doesn't think about, um, in their own culture but that could be very important in another culture so I think tip number one is is you know do your research before you go in Uh, tip number two is when you go um, go with an open mind and and remove the preconceived notions that you that you might have had so go with an open mind um, be you know be ready to to just soak it all up you know with that with that open mind and then tip number three is be flexible (laughs) you know go with the flow um, is the best way I can say it because otherwise you might get frustrated uh, you might have done all the research um, but you've got to go with the flow then once you're there because uh, uh, otherwise you'll 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 just get you'll just
1: get frustrated and you don't want that to happen Just do the research keep an open mind and uh, and be flexible that be flexible yeah. is is that's probably one of the hardest things if if you actually get frustrated i guess
2: yeah it um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise you know you're not going to have a very successful trip absolutely um, and uh, you know the other tip if if I could add a fourth sure <coughs> is get out of the office get out of the business environment Um, I think too often because our schedules are so tight that we don't take time to appreciate where we are yep and the places that we're visiting. So as I mentioned, you know, a little bit ago, I took the side trip to Kyoto. So I, I planned my weekend. I had the weekend somewhere. I could have weekend in Hong Kong or or, or Japan. Well, I had been to Hong Kong and, and done that. So I'm like, okay, I'm I'm going to weekend in um, in Japan. So take time. Get out of the office. Walk around. The one thing that I always do in in every city that I go visit, I go to a market. I go to the local markets, yep. whether they're the open-air markets or whether it's the shopping center, grocery store, supermarket, hypermarket, whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get out into those markets because I want to see how people shop, what what's available to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned so much just by going to the, to the markets. You know, I've learned that… You can find Kit Kat bars anywhere in the world. So if you're ever hungry, you can you can go get Kit Kat and Pringles anywhere yeah. around the world, right? Absolutely, yes. Um, but but get out. And sorry, there's a fire truck going. I hear that, but it's okay. That's <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, get out. That's tip number four: is get out. Go to the markets. See how people live.
1: I think for me, this would be tip number one. This is the uh, so I'm very uh, very happy that you brought this one up um, because this is the thing that not saved me, but certainly gave me my frame of reference in terms of seeing something different because the pressure of business is off exactly when you say you know you have the weekend off and you're doing something on your own, you don't have the pressure right. of business. you can and going with the flow tends to be at least well personally it tends to be much easier if you're if you're out there if you're not uh, if you don't have the pressure the pressure to perform or business or something like that. Right, right. That's and I,
2: I, I'll i take colleagues with me, and I'm like, you know what? We'll, we'll be driving or we'll go into the office. I'm like, hold on, we're going to go into this market. And they're like, why? And I'm like, we're just gonna go. we're you know, going to go. Because we're going right gonna, here. Yeah. We're here. Yeah. We're going to go look in this market. Um, we're going to walk through it. You know, we'll buy a bag of crisps. We'll do something. I don't care. Right. But we're going to go experience. Local life, yeah. um, and to me, that's that's what's so valuable about uh, about this, and that gives you so much insight into the the cultures and how people think. And, and it, it sounds silly, but you know, you go into a market in London and you go down the aisle where they have the crisps. There's mm-hmm. going to be maybe five crisps to choose from. You go to a market in the United States, and you know they call them potato chips here, right? Yeah. There'll be hundreds of potato chip options. <laughs> Right? And it's stuff like that 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 some people maybe don't even think about that. Yeah. But to me, I do, right? I think, okay, you know, in America, you can choose from 100 different potato chips. You go to, to London, maybe you have, you know, five or so different ones to mm-hmm. choose from. But that gives you insight, I think, into, you know, how people live, how they think, and how to do business. Exactly. So that's what I love about going into the markets. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it gives you something to talk about. And it's a memory they can they cannot take away. Right, I mean you go through an
2: open air market in Hong Kong. Yeah.
1: You know, oh yeah. You know, with the, the
2: the the live animals and everything. You're blown away by it, absolutely. But it's fast faci- it's
1: fascinating. Shocking sometimes but fascinating at the same uh, at the same <laughs> moment as well. <laughs> Greeley Cook, exactly. it's um, it's been a, a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you for uh, taking us all the way from your childhood in Chicago to uh, Alaska, Hawaii, California, the Caribbean, to ACT and then uh, to a, uh, a live market in Hong Kong. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank, thanks right, for, for all the advice. Uh, how can people get in touch with you, Greeley?
2: Yeah, the best way is, um, you know, we can go to the ACT uh, website, acte.org, mm-hmm. um, and on there is all sorts of information about us, how to contact me. Uh, you know, there's there's Twitter at uh, Greeley Cook, um,
1: yeah. LinkedIn, you
2: name it, all sorts of ways to
1: connect. Okay, I'll put that all in the show notes, linked in as well. All right, yep. thanks again, and I'm pretty sure we'll bump in, into each other in the future. Sounds good, Chris. Thank you very much. Thank you. The best tip ever. Get out of the office if you want to uh, improve your cultural competence. Thank you, Greeley, again, for uh, for doing the interview. Thank you, dear audience, for, uh, for listening to this podcast and spending the time with me and with Greeley, of course, in this case. If you like the Culture Matters podcast, if you like what I do, then I would really appreciate if you would be able to give me an iTunes rating and review. You can do that directly in iTunes, and um, you know how important this is to actually... Um, increase the visibility of this podcast i'll be back soon with yet another interview and the culture matters podcast take care bye
0: that's it for this episode the culture matters podcast helping you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences